Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Notice what the text says. He's going to transform the desert, the wastelands. God could put joy in your desert-like experience in your wilderness, in your time where you feel like everything looks absolutely dead. The joy of the Lord in the wilderness. In verse one, the desert and the parched land will be glad. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Did you know that as a believer, you can be going through the worst of trials, you could be experiencing a drought in your life, but God's peace could never be so present. Today, Pastor Ed will be reminding us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, our hope and anchor, because He is the only constant in this life. Your circumstances will always change, but God never changes. Hold fast to the Lord's promises, especially when going through tribulations, because He is always faithful. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. Our trust is always in the Lord. We have to remind ourselves of that again and again. I'm amazed at myself sometimes how quickly I could doubt God, and I, and I don't say that, uh, say that with an embarrassment, because oftentimes God will do so many things in your life, and then you come, he opened the Red Sea for you, he opens the Jordan River, and then you come to a little puddle, and you're wondering how you're going to get over that little puddle, <laughs> forgetting that God's power is altogether sufficient. There is a tendency in all of us, I think, to question God when we get into a hard place, a difficult place. But I want to encourage you to believe, to trust, to reflect back on God's great faithfulness. And Isaiah 35 is a a chapter that follows a chapter filled with the judgment and the wrath of God. God is pouring out his wrath on those who disobey, those who have refused to accept and follow him, uh, especially the Edomites. And this chapter really, if it's, its large context, is that God's going to deliver Israel from Assyrian power. Now, they literally conquer uh, the world at that time. And there's this tiny speck on the map that they can't conquer. And that's the people of God, because God has protected them. And God is promising also that his people are going to come back from captivity, because they had been in captivity. And so chapter 35 is a beautiful chapter of what God does for his people. Verse 1. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. 
It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that gives way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. No, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. What beauty. What description of what God wants to do for his people. I remember as a young man visiting a friend's house. And I had never been to his family room. But his family room was extraordinary. I mean, there were beautiful wood walls. There was uh, a countertop uh, with table and chairs, and there was decorations there. It was extraordinary. And what was especially amazing to me, as my friend told me the story, and as I looked very carefully at the beautiful furniture, He explained that his father would take things that people threw away and restore it, and he built virtually almost that whole family room out of what people discarded. He took a tire that was thrown away. He took wood that was thrown away. He took uh, other articles of furniture that just were discarded, and he restored it. I always marvel at uh, people who work in the restoration work. You know, you see an old classic car restored, and it's absolutely beautiful. You see them sometimes have a train of these old cars going down Route 9, and they absolutely look incredible. I was looking at one the other day or on television. I said to my wife, you got to get me that one, Joyce. <laughs> I think of um, the Sistine Chapel. It's one of the true jewels of the world where Michelangelo painted those beautiful pictures as Fresno on the ceiling and for about, oh, I guess it was several hundred years, 400 years, uh, for many of those years, they, the only light that they had was from candles and the soot from those candles went up and it just covered that dull, that beautiful painting and it looked like 
Michelangelo was real good in putting things together, construction, but they questioned his ability with colors until they restored it. When they restored it, they realized that Michelangelo was an absolute genius with those beautiful colors, and people were in awe of it. Oftentimes in our lives, there are dark days, cloudy nights, difficult trials that we just seem to go through, and it's hard to make sense out of things. We look at it and we wonder with question, until, until with the eye of the Spirit and with the heart of faith, we see the beauty of it only, only when God opens our eyes to see it. In this passage of Scripture, God is going to do a new thing for the people. There's going to be this time of restoration. And he takes them to the journey in the desert. And you look at the experience of the people of God in the desert, and there's a complete transformation that takes place there. In Isaiah 51, 3, it says this, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Notice what the text says. He's going to transform the desert, the wastelands. God could put joy in your desert-like experience in your wilderness, in your time where you feel like everything looks absolutely dead. The joy of the Lord in the wilderness. In verse one, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Here you have this incredible picture of gladness and rejoicing in the desert. Does that make sense? There are times you go through things and in a natural, it doesn't make sense. But God gives you joy there. God gives you gladness there. Where did the ministry of John the Baptist begin? In the desert. In the place where everything was dry and deserted. God sent one of the greatest prophets of all time, John the Baptist, to prepare the people to come back to him. It was there in the desert that their spiritual lives began to blossom. Stop, wait, think. Don't look at your desert experiences as something that you have to write off, that you have to rip out of your narrative. Recognize that in the midst of that desert, whatever that may be, physical pain, spiritual anguish, a time of Wondering why. God's there. Everything around them literally has changed into the, in that desert. The desert has gone from a barren wilderness to a beautiful paradise. It's going to be transformed when God's favor and his plans are enacted. It's amazing how he changes things. I, I feel that way when I walk through Casper Kill. 
And I'm not exaggerating at that. I really feel as you look at the restoration of that building and the transformation of that building and you think about what's going to happen in those hallways and you think about what's going to happen in those classrooms and what's going to happen in the facilities, the people that will be saved, the lives that will be changed, And God has so set it up that people from the four corners of the earth will come and be there. We're seeing God use that center to draw people. What it will mean and what will happen in this community, I often think back when our church was on Market Street. Not that I was there, but I heard the stories. When they were on the Market Street in the 40s and the 50s, and they were just digging out some basement, trying to expand the area, and it was so small and so tight. There, the big bulldozers and the architects at IBM were planning this beautiful conference center. And all the while, God said, those faithful people who are praying and working and laboring and serving They don't know what's ahead of them. And now when we walk through that, I sometimes think, if only they had a glimmer, only they even knew what their labor would lead to. God promises this great reversal of conditions. The desert into a paradise. The trial into a triumph. It's amazing how God will use the things in your life. Just be patient, just wait, just trust. Now notice what the text also says. The text says this, the glory of the Lord in the wilderness. Not only the joy of the Lord in the wilderness, but the glory of the Lord. In verse two, it says, they will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. What happens in Carmel and Sharon and Levin, that was beautiful. The land was lush. It was absolutely prime real estate. And he said he's going to clothe the desert like that. I remember going to Israel back in the 90s and we took various tours and they shared with us how they reclaimed the desert. They turned the desert into well-watered fields where they could grow crops. It was amazing how they reclaimed the desert. And that's what God wants to do in our lives, reclaim those dry, broken, deserted areas and let his glory be seen. Now, it's interesting. It was the glory of the Lord, they see, because of what God did. It was God that did this miracle, and they would see the glory of the Lord. God would be glorified greatly by what he did. Our experience in the desert is we could have joy and gladness. We could see great reversals. What would normally destroy a person can become a paradise. And the glory of God can be seen there as God puts his hand upon it and transforms it. And it goes on, our endurance in the desert. I love Psalm 84. It's one of my favorite psalms. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on the pilgrimage. Many times we set our hearts on the short temporary journey in this world. 
And when we do that, we'll get discouraged. We'll get wearied and disheartened. But if we keep our eyes on our heavenly destination, if we set our hearts on an eternal pilgrimage that one day we'll stand before God, one day everything that we're doing is, well, we want to present it to God and say, Lord, here. So when we set our hearts on that, what happens is God imparts strength to us. Our strength is in the Lord. In Isaiah 35, 3, strengthen feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Our hands represent the ability to act, the ability to work. Sometimes we get weary in well-doing, we get weary in doing things, and God is saying, strengthen your hands. You've been working with those children a long time. Don't give up. You've been putting an investment in your marriage a long time. Don't stop. You've been giving your best in some area of ministry, and and sometimes it doesn't seem that fruitful. What happened to these people, he says, don't let your hands get weak. Keep your hands to the plow. Serve the Lord. Remember that picture of that praying hands and also uh, the, uh, what they would make that, that image of the praying hands? Our hands ought to be in that position, but our hands also ought to be in serving. And he's saying, strengthen our, your hands because sometimes they get weak. And notice it says, strengthen feeble hands, steady the knees. Sometimes you feel like you can't endure the weight. You can't endure the problems. And you feel like the spiritual responsibilities of stamina, the steadiness is gone. And God is saying, trust his ancient promises. Strengthen your hands. Don't become wobbly. Don't lose your balance. Keep on keeping on. In Psalm 84, 7, it says this. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. You're going to reach your destination. You're going to reach your end. You're going to come to the end of the journey. Keep on trusting God for strength in this journey, wherever you might be. See, God will give you inner strength to fight the good fight of faith. I remember the first, remember one of the miracles that Jesus performed on a family member? It was Peter's mother-in-law. As soon as he healed her, the Bible says something in Mark's gospel. She began to serve them. When God heals us on the inside, we're able to serve on the outside. And so what it's talking about here is their spiritual condition. Weak hands, feeble knees. And then God says something else. He's going to provide courage. Not only strength. He'll provide strength for you as you look to him. You might feel with those little toddlers running around, Lord, I don't know how I have strength. You might feel with the obstacles that you're facing, I don't know if I have the strength. He'll provide. Look to the Lord. And he provides courage. Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. We could be afraid of the enemy. We could be afraid of tomorrow. We could be afraid of the challenges. We could be afraid of people. All of those things can gather and cause us to fear. But God says, don't be afraid. 
Now, I, I love this passage of Scripture. I like the way the message translation translates this. Don't panic. I'm with you. There is no need to fear. I am your God. I will give you strength. I will help you. I will hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. Now, notice what the text says. He comes, meaning the Lord. We're going to go back. But look at the the verse of text. It says this, he will come with vengeance, with retribution. You know what that's saying? Leave everything in God's hands. God's going to make every wrong right. He is the God who judges everything. And we have to live our lives with this sense that someday all people will stand before God. Sometimes you can get discouraged when you look at man's inhumanity to man. I think about the multitudes of children that go to bed hungry every night. I think about the oppressive governments. I think about all of the wrongs that happen, even in our judicial system. Do you know God is going to make every wrong right? And the Bible says, put your trust in him. He'll come. He'll save you. So what gives us strength is that we're headed towards this journey, and we keep our eye on the pilgrimage, and remember, this is not the end of things. This is only part of the journey. And so if you go through a desert time, God will turn it into a spring. He'll turn it into a paradise. If you go through a difficult time, you remember that God's there with you in the journey. Now here's a message translation. It's verse four. Tell fearful souls courage. Take heart. God is here, right here, on a way to put things right and redresses all wrongs. He's on his way. He'll save you. And all the ups and downs and all the twists and turns and all the question marks, God's there. God's there. And as you move on in the text, as you follow right through this psalm, you look at our experience in the desert, the endurance in the desert, and our recovery in the desert. You would think we would recover in some, not in the desert, but here it is. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now, he's using natural language to speak of physical things, but spiritual things as well. God comes in and restores the brokenhearted. He comes in and heals damaged emotions. He does things in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. We've seen people healed in their bodies, and I believe that's a picture when ultimately there'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more disease. God heals people in their hearts and minds and emotions. I think of my good friend Jay O'Hara, who's in heaven, who wasted his mind on drugs. He had a terrible heroin addiction. And God saved him, and he went to Bible college, and he didn't think he'd make it through, but God restored his mind. 
I've watched children who struggled in school, who struggled with learning as they memorize scripture, as they study the Bible. I've watched God do amazing things for them mentally. The Christmas season is always a busy time of year. The hustle and bustle to get all of the gifts wrapped and ready. The preparation of the meal where the family gathers to celebrate. It's easy to lose sight of what's most important in this season. We're sharing this special four-part series on the Advent season with hopes that Jesus truly will be the reason for the season. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith, subscribe to the Building in Faith podcast. By subscribing, you'll always be up to date with the latest messages. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say Merry Christmas. You're